Welcome to Timely Meditations, Thoughts from a Harvard Dorm. I'm Jose Espinel, a third-year undergrad at Harvard College, and I'm one of the co-hosts on our podcast. Every week, we invite friends with interesting opinions to debate big-picture ideas related to philosophy, politics, history, and economics. So the first thing we're going to do today is we're going to go around the table here, and we're going to do some introductions. Um, so I guess talk about whatever you want to talk about, about yourself. Just a quick thing. We'll go around, and then we can talk about where we're recording and uh, how it's historic. Yeah, cool. Um, my name is Jason. Uh, yeah, I study history. I'm actually roommates with uh, Nick over here. Who you, Howdy. Who you, yeah, you'll meet that guy <laughs> <laughs> um, in a little bit. But yeah, I think, I think the rest of that good old stuff you need to know about me will come out. Where are you from, Jason? Florida. We're in Florida, Jason. Fort Lauderdale, Florida. What street number, Jason? <laughs> <laughs> so, Jason, does Fort Lauderdale count you as a coastal elite? Do you, would you consider yourself a Do you ride a limousine to school? Since I you mean, are on the coast. We're just coastal elites that have a little bit more sunlight than you guys have over here. Wow. That's fair. Oh, you know what? Do you I didn't consider yourself part from. of the East Coast? Hmm? Do you consider yourself part of the East Coast? South Florida, well, three counties, the line of three counties that I live in are definitely East Coast. The rest of Florida, debatable. But that shit right there, that could easily be Palo Alto, California. We need to include geography on our list of topics as well. Yeah, we should. Oh, by the way, I didn't mention it, but I'm from Atlanta. Uh-huh. Really? Audio capital of the world. Really now? We're in Atlanta. Oh, oh Jesus, Lucas, just introduce yourself. <laughs> stop, stop harassing people, for Christ's sake. <laughs> Yeah, Lucas, uh, how about you introduce yourself? Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm Lucas, <laughs> Lucas Borges. I am a junior at Harvard College. Uh, junior. Although I am graduating early, so this is my last semester, so I'm effectively a senior. don't really know how to answer that question. Uh, I study economics. Uh, I'm from Brazil originally, but uh, moved around a lot growing up. I uh, went to high school in Chicago. And uh, yeah, that's about me. I don't sound like I'm reading off a piece of paper like some ho- sometimes Jose does. You know, I only read off a piece of paper for 10 seconds there. Maybe. Tops. Fair tense, enough. Tense, tense. Nicholas, how about you? Introduce yourself. Uh, I'm Danby. Nick Danby. Uh, oh, or, or, oh, or, or, as, uh, as Jason has uh, Nicholas Danby. Uh, <laughs> I am a junior here at Harvard, roommates with uh, Mr. Chikuma, uh, studying history uh, and government. I come from the most exotic place in the world, Bangor, Maine. Maine. I still don't believe it's a real place. And uh, well, that's about it. Nope. Um, Nick actually has a demonic alter ego, <laughs> which is part demagogic and feeds on the adoration of crowds and really um, is drawn to live performances. So comment that praise. Of, yeah. Based <laughs> off of sheer charisma, which is why I've given it the anagram of um, Dick Namby as the inversion of his personality. So Nick Damby might physically be here, but on this podcast, this is very much a Dick Namby production. Indeed, Correct. and uh, <laughs> and uh, ironically, where do you uh, where do you live now, uh, Dick Nanby? Uh, uh, Dickless Nanby and and Mr. Chikuma live in the suite of Mark Zuckerberg, actually, age thirty four, thirty three, Kirkland House, Kirkland House. Uh, actually, I'm trying to think on LinkedIn. Uh, who's the guy at the Eurasia Group? What's his name? Uh, Bremer. Ian, Ian Bremer, Bremer uh, posted a photo a few weeks ago uh, of our room with Zucky working on his Facebook. Uh, 
um, machine platform, whatever you want to call it, gizmo. And, uh, and it was our, you know, same room, same crappy room, peeling walls. Rat. So, just to clarify, mm-hmm. that is the exact same room where Facebook was founded. Yes. That is. Not yeah. just, not and, just and founded, now, but like coded. Right? Yeah. And now yeah. it holds my three-week-old banana. Yep. Yeah. It's, so. it's very impressive. We do want it eventually rebranded, you know, with one of our last names at least, or some, some collection. That'd be cool. It's granted it's a high bar to sort of pass, pass a Mark Zuckerberg. Like, I recognize it's a high bar, but you have to ha- set high goals for yourselves, we believe, and um, in order to really push yourself in life. So. Well, thank you for that, Jason. I feel really motivated. It is. I think that, that, that's, that's part of the whole Harvard <laughs> experience anyways. I think uh, from the outside, I think a lot of people don't really know what to expect from a supposed typical Harvard student. And I think uh, it, they're far more normal, uh, in my experience, than you would think. I mean, I think... Uh, everything here, like really, there's there isn't there's there isn't really this sense of special that you would uh, that you sometimes see Harvard characterized as in uh, pop culture. Yeah, I think the buildings carry it though. Like where are we recording right now? We're two floors above where FDR lived, and his he, his his suite is still preserved. FDR so, literally lived two floors below where we are currently sitting. Exactly. Although, if if we didn't know that. There is nothing else special, frankly, about this uh, building, about, this, building, about yeah. this physical location, other than the history and the symbolic meaning attached to it. It's pretty. It's an old building, outside and inside. It's got creaky floors. And rats. That's, that's Adam's rats. particularly. Mice. Has its own yeah. Rats, mice, house mice. Yep. Yeah. Oh, we should briefly explain the house system that we keep on throwing names around. Yeah, we should probably do that, too. Uh, there's how many? Is it 13 houses? 12. 12. 12. 12. 12. Plus nine, Dudley. Um, nine River, um, three quad. Yeah, and so each house is essentially like a Hogwarts-like conception for those who aren't uh, in the school. But you basically have your own house mascot. You live in a, a building named after old... Um, white men. So John Adams is named after here. Here Kirkland was a reverend. A Quincy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, after Josiah Quincy. Uh, yeah, uh, your, your, your first year you spent it on the yard. Um, and then at the. Um, and what, half, is, what is through. Sorry to interrupt you, Jason. What's the yard? The yard is basically the place where we have all of our, most of our classrooms. and um, John Harvard statue. Yeah, and the John Harvard statue. It's the, the oldest part of the university. Oldest part of the university, and that's where all of the freshmen live. They all eat um, dinner in the same place at this large, secular, cathedral-looking like building, a brick building called Annenberg Hall. Um, that's where we all were our freshman years. And then in your freshman spring, what we, we have a thing called housing day, which is basically when you find out which one of the 12 houses you're going to be assigned to for your next Think three years. Think sorting hat from Harry Potter, except yeah. a computer algorithm. That's completely random, scarecrow. And more alcohol. Except if your yep. parents happen to yep. donate $5 million or more to the school or have maybe even presidents at some point of the... I thought we weren't alienating people here today. Yeah, Jason, I thought it was also random. <laughs> huh? So yeah, I thought it was, random. it was random. Yeah. Said random. It is. It is random. They're random except $5 million. Yeah. These are just my... Um, so yeah, there's that. Then you get moved into one of the 12 plus 13 houses or so. Which are essentially if, dorms, right? Yeah, Collections yeah, dorms. of buildings. Right? And if you live in the quad, which is a mile away, you'll never see the art again. It's like it's exile. Not, it's exile. Yes. That, and that's the thing. Because You're a refugee. Uh, because actually, the quad is actually... That's an interesting place to start. Because the quad, it's... It is. It is. It is. Yeah. It's like that old German <laughs> saying, victory or Siberia. Victory or quad? <laughs> Victory or quad? You get because River or we quad? have, and I'm not sure if you guys participated. I know Nick didn't, but I'm not sure if you guys participated in River Run your freshman year. I did. So, ba- so basically, I just all, called me I out. all of the houses. Same. Point of pro- very point very of pride. nice, very nice. Same. Um, so to explain, right before housing day, um, what a lot of the freshmen do is that they you know they get groups of their friends and we go out on this 
adventure called Riverrun, where your job is to go to all of the nine river houses and take a shot inside. And the ritual goes that, oh, this will appease, like, the river gods and you won't get quadded the next day. So it's a really funny... Quadded, I'm referring to the The three dorms that are a little further up campus from um, the yard. The area is called the quad. And nobody wants to live there for reasons we will um, go into later. And this is one of the rituals, fun social rituals that we participate in um, to take some time off. But also just to bask in everyone's mutual... Um, disdain for the quad or fear, honestly, really, of the quad. So it's really funny, actually, when you see people participating in River Run um, that night and then the next day they get quadded and they're like, I, I love the quad. The quad is the quad is great. And they try to justify it a year later. They have good and, the, and the thing is, it doesn't really make sense because when I speak to people from outside of Harvard, they're like, I don't get like why the quad is bad. For a lot of people whose schools, like a lot of campuses are much larger than Harvard's campuses. Just, when we went to Vanderbilt my freshman year, I realized how big they were. They're like, oh, like I take a 20-minute bus to get to class. Like like no class is basically within like the walking distance that we have. So they can't understand why the quad is like right, right. bad in like well, except when you have terms. Tennessee weather versus yeah. Cambridge weather. Yeah, exactly. It's still only three quarters yeah, of a mile. Yeah, we're also just It's spoiled. not even a I mean, mile. I fly yeah. to the quad. I don't know about you guys, yeah. but I... I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think no, it's, I, a, it's definitely a cultural thing that makes it so that people fear the quad, but objectively speaking, it's not a bad walk. No. Well, no, I... Because I, it's no, not well, the walk the that thing. makes it right. bad. Right, exactly. So here's the thing. It's not about the physical distance. The physical distance, sure, you can mock the people who take Ubers or taxis to the quad, which is a surprisingly hard, high percentage of people. Uh, mm-hmm. Who does that? Yeah, speaking from one of the people <laughs> who only Ubers to the quad <laughs> exclusively. So it is. So, but let, let's establish. I don't think it is the three quarter mile distance that's the ba- the barrier. What what the issue is that that three quarters of a mile becomes a social barrier. Where the rest, because of how easily accessible the remainder of campus is, everything is just so focused around here and around the nine river houses, around the yard, that all the events, all the programming, whether it's formal classroom instruction or social clubs, extracurriculars, or even like parties, everything is around. It's just not in the quad anymore. Let's talk a little bit about the classes now that we've talked about the housing life. Uh, were you boys all satisfied with the uh, academic curriculums here, or you thought they were overrated? Oh, that's a Call out some professors. question. <laughs> that is a big question. Wait, be, 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 before I get there, actually, I, I do want to get I want to get to the class issue, but I do think there's I do think there's something yet to be teased out. Sort of, in, I do think there's something yet to be teased out um, in the quad issue because mm. um, it goes back into one of the most vexing problems here at Harvard is basically like um, the social life at Harvard and everyone's basically like sort of um, dissatisfied with it and how it's like little things that sort of make community life here a a little bit um, difficult, which is why I find the quad such an interesting example. Um, And like this is like one of the things that people bring up when they're like, oh, should we get, you know, Back back in the day, there was a way in which Harvard where everyone could like choose their houses. Essentially, it wasn't really random. So at least like you know, even people pick the quad. Like there'd be more, there'd be more match between basically the occupant and and the residents. And maybe you could argue that was a more fair system. But I just feel like it's in little ways in which sort of like the school damages the social life um, here that I find particularly one of a one of the remaining features of my Harvard experience, separate from the academic experience. Because the thing about the academic experience at Harvard, which I which is what I think what gives it so much of its meaning for me, is that like I almost view my classes as 
background noise that sort of plays on autopilot. Like I seventy thousand dollar background noise. Seventy thousand dollar background noise. It's it's, it's, it's expensive <laughs> background background noise, but especially for things here, I feel like classes aren't really ever at the center of it. At at at, at the bare minimum, I feel like classes are always like a means to an end. Whether it's I want to take a class, you know, to get a high GPA to get into a certain grad school or to get a certain job, the most direct connection I've seen is I want to take a certain class, I'll have information to write my thesis. But it's almost like people are just so instrumentally minded here. It's about just the sheer accomplishment of, like, you know, goals and the agenda everyone's sort of trying to put together. So I feel like... And I think that is the trouble of, because I was talking with another friend about this, like what makes Harvard look different from like an Oxford, for instance, because people argue like, oh, you know, some people argue like which one is like actually better. The thing is that Oxford is still actually just focused on like the ideal pursuit of like knowledge or whatever. But Harvard is basically just geared towards creating the next class of like bureaucrats and rulers and um, this and that. So it is very instrumentally minded. Although I I will say, I will say, (laughs) I I agree with a lot of what you said, but I will say, I think this is a great segue into the actual classes discussion because I think what, what I think there, what you're talking about definitely exists. And I think there's a vast majority of people here, but I think there is like a certain community that I think we don't interact with as much Uh, by simply nature of our characteristics and and their characteristics, uh, as you touched on, and that that actually really do care about their classes and really Mm -hmm. do... Yeah, I agree. And that really do, uh, you know, treat it and take a perspective, take a path, I guess, through Harvard that is very, very different to ours and to the people who surround each of our individual paths. Uh, And I think there, there, there is a disconnect there between our perception of them and their perception of us, mm-hmm. I think, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I'd agree. I think I would straddle the middle ground. I mean, we have friends, I think Jason included, some of our own roommates who, uh, one in particular, wants to go be a banker and make tons of money, and so he doesn't really care too, too much about his classes. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think you have people, I mean, and other people I know that very much care about their classes because you can learn a lot for a future career, but it's also good for uh, for academic simulation. So I, I guess there's a, there's a mixture of that. I wouldn't necessarily agree with everything Jason says, but I do think um, that the classes are, I mean, you know, very good, but to Jason's point, they're not the predominant modes of learning. I think I probably learned more from Jason Jacuma, unfortunately, uh, than, than a lot of professors here, mainly because we've had late night conversations or chats about life and philosophy and, and, and things like this. But I would add, uh, as one important note for people that are, you know, think Harvard's this august institution or whatnot, that nothing's really changed. It's been the same thing over and over again. FDR lived down downstairs, you know, what, 100 years ago plus. Um, probably 1900 to eight, uh, 1904. All right, so, but I would say that um, you know, there's a great line. I was doing some research on Kennedy, and uh, at a certain point, in, in whenever he went here, 1938 or something, he's talking to a friend, and he says, uh, I have an exam tomorrow. Got to open up my book and see what the F of the course is all about, which I think I've heard at least 14 times here from friends here. So nothing's really changed. The students are the same. There's nothing much but different. But I will say, I, I, will, I will tamper down the cynicism of my prior statement, because I do feel like, Yes, preparing people for a, a modern uh, economy is like, I think it is a valid consideration. I feel like it's one that plays into how we do things here. But I feel like there's more to that phenomenon here at Harvard. Because I remember back in opening days, the first week that we were here as freshmen, basically, I remember on that last day where um, Dean Corona gave like um, this whole, co- the whole convocation address, there was actually something that he said that I've only seen manifest as more true since I've been here, where he's like, you will learn more from your classmates mm, yeah. than you will learn from your classes. Yeah. He's like, I've, 
I really took that to heart, and that's what that's what I've seen. Like when people ask you what's the best thing about Harvard, it's not the classes, it's not the courses, it's none of the buildings, not the it's infrastructure. The people, yeah. It is so the people. Yeah. Like the students absolutely. here yeah. really absolutely define what this place is. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah. And, to, and, to go, and, absolutely. To go, and, and to go back to your former point, because I was thinking, it made me think about it. You said Harvard kids are more normal than you think. In some ways, not in others. I feel like. Jose, like we've talked about this point, like you know from the Incredibles, when I forgot what the villain's name, but yeah, like, you know, uh, when, syndrome, syndrome. syndrome. He's I like, brought this up at dinner the other night. Yeah, yeah it's it's a, it's a common line. I think it sums it up nicely. Mm-hmm. That you know, when everyone's super, no one is. Right? Mm-hmm. What distinguishes you when you have a really high GPA or a really high SAT score? It's like this great equalizer when you first get here to the college. Everyone's kind of on equal footing. And there are little things that start yeah, you changing not that social. Yeah. You know, the, the social capital starts. Uh, so Being accrued and mined on day and one. lost on day, <laughs> as of day one. It, it, the clock starts ticking and people start gaining stats and losing stats. Uh, that happens through clubs. That's the first way that it happens. That's a phenomenal... Although, th- although I will say, I think it, to a certain extent it is a great equalizer, but to a certain extent, not, not quite so not much. Because I think... You want to talk I about sports? You, <clears throat> well, no, I think... Thing. So you have not only like com- different communities like that like your prior, whether you're involved with sports... Uh, or whether you're like a, come from a legacy background or in, like come from a very wealthy background that really do play what you can and can't do on campus, especially from a social standpoint. Uh, and I think even but even taking a step away from that, from the first semester you're here or the first weeks you're here, you start applying to clubs, you start applying to different groups on campus. Mm-hmm that sometimes have acceptance rates of less than 5%. There are groups that literally will interview. Just call it HCCG. HCCG, we all know what we're talking example. about. Call them by name. <laughs> what is Harvard it? Amongst, amongst others, the Harvard Consulting Group will interview 400 kids a semester and accept maybe 30. What is consulting? Oh, Ooh, God. We're oh skipping God. that conversation. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, well, by the way, consulting? we're all consultants. Oh, wow, okay. This is a room yeah, full and, of consultants, and, so we better have a good explanation uh, for this, y'all. Let's skip this question. We, we just fly at airports and we stay at Heathrow. That's it. And we got to <laughs> say, uh, our views do not represent the views of our employers. Yeah. They are our views and our views alone. Oh, I would add, that. Jason, just to your point, though, about Harvard oh, being... My PL would love seeing this. Rohan, if you're listening, what's up? But to Jason's point about Harvard being like an, a career meat grinder, uh, and in 16, what, 36, 38, which year we created? 36? 38. 38, whatever. Uh, the Harvard was created, our slogan is Veritas, which is a Latin word for truth. And then in 17... Oh, no, it's 36, but... I've, I was fact-checking that. And then 70 years the later, it's, it was September 8th, statue. September 8th, 1636. Of the three lies. Said, this is the statue of three lies. And so there's a very toss. That was our slogan, truth. And now 78 years later, a bunch of guys, a lot of Yale being one of them, created Yale being Lux E Veritas, which means light and truth, because he thought Harvard had lost its way because it became kind of a, a professional meat grinder. And I think Yale still believes that somewhat today because it's a little more philosophical uh, than us. But, but as I've said to my earlier point about Kennedy, I mean, the school has been nearly the same for 400 years in some respects in terms of student clientele, but also uh, is not very much different from any other school. I mean, it's the same problem, same issues. So at dinner the other day, we were talking about uh, kind of to jump into bigger picture ideas and jumping out of the college. We can go back to talking about the college because I think there's a lot to say. And we, well, can, yeah, but we can spend a good bit of time yeah. on this episode talking about the college. But um, what do you guys think about Harvard's survival as this prime institution, as this this mm. ideal of higher education that other universities look to and strive to? Where's the future of higher education in general? We were yeah. talking about we're this, talking actually. About this. In the car, actually. Yeah. Coming back from uh, the we shooting brought it up again. By the, way, by the way, we went to a shooting Which I was not invited day. to. Uh, well, you know. Ne- there's always next time. <laughs> there is always next time. No, I'm not better now. And uh, this was something I'd promised I'd do for Lucas for quite some time, actually. And it was um, in Cape Cod. 
Yeah. Oh, on a honeymoon. Oh. oh. I I'm not married, but that's okay. I, <laughs> I haven't heard about this. Oh, that's new. Tell um, me more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we, we, we went shooting. Um, that's, that's a pastime that I enjoy coming from Atlanta. Uh, I had never shot a gun Neither before. had I. It was exhilarating. I, I had, and f- quite frankly, I'll, I'll let you continue your story, but I think anyone, anyone who is actively uh, involved in the debate around gun control should go out to a gun range. That's true. I, I, absolutely. Period. If you want to have an opinion period. about it, you can hate the damn things even after you leave, but I think everyone should have at least had the experience and of shooting an I think that. not only that, but it will deepen your understanding of gun culture and of the culture that you're trying to change. Because I think yeah. there it becomes to people to a lot of the people who are active on the debate on gun control, it's it's a very like it's a very logical, like policy related thing. It's about changing the law. And I agree about that. But I think it 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 really is a cultural thing that having never shot a gun before, having never been to a gun range, I didn't quite fully appreciate the culture and how mm-hmm. much it's a cultural shift that's necessary until that experience. What did you guys think of the people who were actually at the range? I said was that I, interesting to you? I mean, yes, it's cultural, but I was also amazed to see how much of the how much of the culture is defined by class and how it's really a cross-cutting cleavage across societies. Basically, a bunch of primarily men. There are some women there too. That all who are shooting as well. Yeah, who are shooting as well. Shooting. Who are basically seen because what I what I think is going to be the defined one of the defining issues for like America and the West, um, but America particularly because we're sort of leaders of that pack really is the income inequality issue because now it's not just like people are rich and people are poor that's always been true throughout all of society but it's like there are literally different subcultures within nations forming basically causing divergence between how some people just the assumptions that their lives are based on and the type of especially about the type of country that they live in and the type of country that they're striving to live in have become so different now that i feel like it's really becoming hard to see across those boundaries. I think, obviously, class is just one of them, but that's one of the ones, in addition to others, that I thought were, were, were present at the range, essentially. How we were surprised by actually how diverse a lot of the crowd was. I mean, you had Puerto Ricans, like black people, um, you know, people that looked like they could have come from West, white people that looked like they could have come from West Virginia, all basically just doing their thing and shooting their guns. I, I, said, I said, it's shocking. I've seen less racial solidarity in a lot of places at Harvard that I've seen my witness at that gun range. So I feel like, yeah, to your point, I feel like it is, it does have a big cultural basis that's heavily influenced by socioeconomics. But do you really think that the, the, the different classes live that differently today compared to how they lived, you know, 50 to 100 it's not, years it's, ago? It's not, about, it's not about them today versus them now. It's how they related to the people who weren't in those, it's how they re- so they related to the upper classes um, then versus how they relate to now. It's not about a, it's 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 not about the one to one material mapping, you know, from the members of the group across time. It's how the groups relate to each other across time. It's what what's important. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think. I don't think we disagree with that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think. I don't think uh, we're disagreeing with that. But I think it's an observation. <laughs> uh, but I think to your earlier point about Harvard as an institution, I think it's quite frankly going to parallel uh, the United States as an institution, uh, in my opinion. Um, I think they're in both in a certain way. Uh, we were talking about this. The like uh, actually on the car ride back from uh, New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Um, that they're both like culturally and like the like their their authority and their perception comes from this place of pop culture and this mystique 
that that it's it's really spread over time uh, around the world. I mean, when you think about uh, like education and higher education, you go anywhere in the world. I don't think any name is as synonymous. Uh, with higher education, any college than Harvard. I think you go, you go to Brazil, you go to China, go to and you go to anywhere. Uh, frankly, and when you think of American colleges or colleges in the world, they know Harvard, but they won't know pretty much anything else. Uh, but you can rest assured that they'll know Harvard, and it's become this kind of archetype of what higher education is and should strive to be. That's just become synonymous with supposedly quote the best, and I think. Quite frankly, I think it is. I mean, I would absolutely uh, come here again if, if given the choice. Uh, but I don't think there is this step change function, the stepwise function between Harvard and every other high, higher education institution in the world. 